Well, good morning, Journey Church. How are we doing this morning? <laughs> good. Um, so as you can see, Pastor Rob is not here this weekend. Um, him and Shannon are in Mexico working on some pastoral business. So they asked me and Sam to lead worship this weekend. So um, we will be your worship, and Nikki Hall will be giving us her message today. So before we dive into worship, let's start out in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this Sunday morning and um, just all the many blessings you bring us. I just pray that your spirit would be in this place this morning, be with us as we are doing worship. Um, I just pray that you'd bless Sunday, bless Pastor Rob as he's out of town. And I just thank you again for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bye. 
Yeah. 
to be overcome. 
you that in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, and you inhabit the praises of your people, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you for this day, Lord. This is the day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad. Good morning. I think everybody is sitting at the back of the church today. <laughs> and I think I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Good morning. God is good, isn't he? We, we didn't know that we had a wonderful worship team in the house, did we? Amen? That was good. Thank you. I know that you're not used to seeing me up here, and this is the Sunday for change, and God has orchestrated it um, to put the pastor, pastor, out, <laughs> out of the country and to make some members of our body with COVID so that those that normally do the things that normally happen up here aren't available to do it. And so we are here to honor God and to take over and to do these things. And so God is the one that's orchestrating this this morning. So um, that's why you get to see me. I'm making the announcements. So. <laughs> um, there's some important things that are going on. Uh, I think November the 15th is our last day when we need to have all of our, uh, what is it? Christmas boxes in, yes. And right now, um, the, the labels are all being printed, and there are people that have accumulated so far 20 boxes, more. And so I would encourage you to... Get a box, get a, any kind of a shoe box, uh, and fill it with things that the kids need. And you can pick between ages four and five, or six and seven, and nine and ten, I think, and cover those people. And they they like uh, uh, what is it? Toothbrushes and uh, toys and games and things that they can 
and, and socks. School supplies. Yes, see, we're getting help from everybody. So we know what we need to do. Yes. Okay. Yes, on the 9th, November 9th, to, to do our, our final assembly. So I, I think that's important. Um, also, we have men's group on Thursday afternoons at 4.30 here at the church. And we invite all of the men to participate in that. We are being blessed with God's word and his instruction for us. And uh, I think there's also a ladies group that's meeting. No? Okay. There are other uh, home groups that are meeting. And so I would encourage you actually to find a home group. I know there's uh, Tuesday nights with uh, Gary and Shirley and there are other uh, groups that are there. So I would encourage you to get involved with a, with a home group. You know, it, it helps to build that relationship with, with uh, fellow believers and to strengthen one another. Um, anything else? Yes. Elise will come up and share. <laughs> Jesse ended up having all these papers, and when I heard she came and left, I'm like, oh, no. So I ran upstairs and made some more. <laughs> um, so most of you, hopefully you got this. I want to make sure. If not, please let me know. But this month is Pastor Appreciation Month, generally across the United States. And we've chosen to pick next Sunday to honor our pastor and to talk about it the day while he's gone, <laughs> which works better. So what we want to do is we are collecting money gifts to present to him next week. And cards are welcome as well. His birthday happens to be four days after that. So we could kind of do a double thing on him and really, really bless him because he does so much here. In the last year plus, he's been doing preaching and worship, and that's a lot. So we just really need to let him know how much we appreciate him. So bring in your money gifts. If you want to put anything in today, just mark it either on the envelope or on your check, or if you give online the same way that it's marked for pastor appreciation, and it will go all to him if you designate it that way, okay? Or you can bring it in next week, put it in a card for him, and bless him that way as well. Thank you. Thank you. Any other uh, announcements that I might have forgotten? Uh, I would like to continue with uh, the, the worship time by going into the offering. And uh, today in, in my study is, this is the day of Sabbath. This is the day of rest. And God rested from what he was doing. And it wasn't a quitting because I was tired or he was tired. It was to look back at what he had done. And so we are doing that same thing and resting today and looking at what God has done in particular for us. God has provided everything that we need. He's provided um, what we wear, what we eat, where we stay, and what we drive, and just everything. And what he is asking is to have that uh, tied back to him that says, Father God, I honor you. I give to you a portion of what you've given to me. And that's what the tithe and the offering is about. It's, it's yes, it is the money. And some people get frustrated with the fact that you always ask for money. But God works in mysterious ways. And he does use money to bless people. It, and there are people within our congregation that need to have financial assistance. 
and they need to have a car repaired or they need to pay their rent and they need groceries and so that we are able to do that. And that's part of what we do. We also send out to our missionaries that are down in Mexico and, and uh, elsewhere in the world and it's important that they have their support so they can carry on like we carry on. So I would ask you to uh, prayerfully consider the, your, your portion of what you're doing in uh, the tithes and offering. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you for your promises today, the promise of your Holy Spirit, the promise of salvation, the promise of uh, everlasting love, Lord. Father, we, we want to honor you with our tithes and our offerings today. We want to just say that we love you in this time of our worship. Lord, we just thank you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We now have our esteemed guest speaker. Okay, guys, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. Uh, Rob spoke and taught on the calming of the storm two weeks ago. And so now we're going to take a look at um, what happens when Jesus is approached by a demonic man. So before we get started, though, let's pray for our, um, we have people in our church who have COVID now. Uh, we have at least four of them. And some of our people are also uh, stayed home because they had been exposed to COVID. Uh, but we, let's pray over those guys, okay? The people that we know who have COVID are uh, Robin Rogers and um, then we have Stephen Melanie Foster. And we also have Rebecca Weaver. So we have at least four people with COVID, uh, which for us, we had not hardly had anybody with COVID in the church. And so this is a little new. So let's pray for them right now. And let's also pray for Pastor Rob and Shannon. They are um, in Mexico. You know, they went to try to bless the church in Mexico that we work with. So let's take a minute and pray for these guys. Lord, we thank you that... Um, you have so blessed us and uh, blessed us with your gift of love and your gift of grace, Lord, that you extend to us every day. And, and we have people, Lord, in our body who need a touch and need your help, Father. So we just lift them up to you right now. Ask that you would be with them, encourage their hearts, touch their bodies, and heal them. And we thank you that you are the healer of our bodies. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so guys, what we're going to do is take a look at Ma Mark chapter 5 verses 1 through 20. And, but this is also, we're going to take a look at Matthew 8, 28 through 34 and Luke 8, 26 through 39 because it's all the same story. And so um, I have about 15 questions that I'm going to ask you guys. And so uh, when we read these stories, this is what I want you to be thinking about. These, these three stories, are, they're all telling the same story, but they're not all exactly the same. Matter of fact, some of them uh, have major discrepancies in the way that the story is told. And so one thing I love about the Bible is that it doesn't hide its work. 
um, you, it gives you a clear look at its own discrepancies in the Bible. But what appears to be things that we think of as, hmm, that story doesn't sound exactly the same. And how could that be true if the story is different? What we find out when we look at Scripture, it almost always is a way of verifying itself, right? Because we have the synoptic Gospels. And what it does, if you look at one story in the Gospel, it gives you a snapshot, a picture of that, right? Um, but the other Gospel gives you another little picture of it, and the other gospel gives you another picture of it. So when you look at all three, you get the whole picture. And so that's what we're going to look at. Okay. Um, so this is Mark chapter 5, and it's verses 1 through 20. So we're just going to read through that. And this is what it says. You can follow along uh, in your Bible. Now, remember this. Uh, Rob just spoke to us two weeks about they had just been in a storm. You remember that? And remember what happened in that storm? The disciples were frightened. And what did they do when they were frightened? What did they do? Yeah. Yeah, they actually cried out to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. They woke him up, huh? Ken, he was asleep. And you might say, how could he be asleep in a storm? Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a boat, but I fish a lot. And when we go out, and we go out in big waves, if I'm sleeping in the back of the boat, the boat is going like this, but in the back, there's not much movement. The front of the boat really hits. But in the, in the, when, I, when I'm in the back of the boat, it's like it just puts me to sleep. You know, they have bunks back there, and you lay down, and I just go to sleep the whole time on the way out. And so it, it will rock you to sleep. And Jesus was on the pillow in the back of the boat, and he was tired. He was fatigued. And so he falls asleep. And the disciples, of course, they get, I mean, these, you got to remember, these guys are fishermen, right? And they're in a storm, and they're frightened. So what kind of storm do you think that was? Was this a nice, gentle little storm? No, these guys are fishermen, right? They're not, they're not afraid of going out someplace and fishing. And I don't know if you've ever been on a boat when it's really big out. Um, but when you, <laughs> when you do, uh, this is what happens out in the ocean. Um, you not only have waves, but then you have chop that hits the boat as well. And so the boat is constantly being turned every which way. So you can imagine the disciples were probably hanging on thinking, are we going to survive this? And Jesus is having a little nap there. And they're like, how can he sleep during this thing, right? So what does that tell you about Jesus? He was tired, right? And that's what it tells you. He was really tired. So they're out, and this is what we know. When did that storm happen? Do you remember? It says in Scripture it happened late at night, right? So now this is the picture that I want you to get in your head. They're going someplace, and now Jesus has calmed the storm. It's perfectly calm. They can go wherever they want, right? These guys are fishermen. They know how to row the boat. They know how to get the boat somewhere. They can row the boat anywhere they want. So 
keep that in mind as we read Matthew chap or Mark chapter 5. And this is what it says. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off, reported those in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told the pigs, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to lead their region. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed began to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done and all the people were amazed. So now we're going to go, so you heard that story. Now what I want you to do, I want you to listen to this story in Matthew. And then I want you to listen for how is it different? How is this story in Matthew different from the one in Mark? Okay. So this is Matthew 8. And th this is um, starting, I'll start with, uh, verse 28, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the gatherings, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town, and reported all this. 
including what had happened to the demon-possessed man. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. So that was um, the second place where this story is. And then now we're going to read the last place where this story is. And this is in Luke 8. And this is verses 26 through 34. And this is what it says. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him and they, and they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into them. And he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in, in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to see Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the, the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear, so he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go out with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Okay, uh, someone tell me a, something that's different in one of the stories than the other stories. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bothering, isn't it? In Matthew, there's two men. And in Mark and Luke, we only see one. Okay. So yeah, that's a little bit of a problem. Anybody else see anything else that was different, that was a discrepancy there? Yeah. Uh, one of the men, men in the last story was more afraid and just took solution, uh, whereas the other gentleman was just a guy that Yeah, so yeah, one we see much more aggression from them, said the people were even afraid to pass by them. Uh, they were so dangerous. So that was a, that was a difference as well. What else did you guys see? I used to say this to my class when I was teaching school. If you want to know about the story, you should be able to answer who, what, why, where, when. If you can't answer those five questions, you really don't get the story. So we know the, well, we kind of know the who, don't we? 
Uh, there was one or two men. Uh, we're not sure. How about the where? Do we know where? Yeah, and it named uh, the people that were there. Do you guys get the difference between the two groups that were named? One was called the what? Gerasenes. And the other one was the Gadarenes. Are those the same people? Just close, but the same? Or are they different? Do you know? Okay, well, here's, here's what went on with that. You notice, where did he get out of the boat? I mean, when he got out of the boat, when Jesus landed, do you think that he got blown off course? Or why was he where the tombs were and not where the cities were? Was that an accident? Jesus was lost? No, no we know Jesus doesn't get lost. I get lost, but we know Jesus doesn't get lost. This was no accident, right? So he ended up in a place where the tombs were, and he was in between Gadara and Gesera. Gadarenes, Gesererenes. You get that? Decapolis. What does D mean? Ten. Like decathlon, right? Ten. So Decapolis was what? It was an area of ten cities. And those 10 cities were taken by Alexander the Great. And he went and he was spreading the uh, Greek way of life. And so he had, he had settled these areas into Palestine and Syria. And so these were 10 cities. You guys get that? This is a whole region. So Jesus lands in the boat in between Gadara and Gesera. Get that? And so now, because it's very, that's very important because where, when the man got out, when Jesus told the guy, no, you need to go um, and go back to your family, where did it say he went to? The Decapolis. That's where it said he went. All those are very important. They're really important to the story. So here's what we know. There's not really a discrepancy between where Jesus landed. That's not a problem. But let's talk about the two, one in Matthew when it says two men. And in Mark, it, does Mark say one man? Or does Mark say a man? Okay. Does a man mean there weren't more men? No. No. If it said one man, now that would be a problem. And let me explain this to you. I was riding my bike, and I was riding down um, the trail that goes all the way to Corona from San Bernardino, right? And I'm riding my bike, and I'm riding down. Have you guys been on that trail? Suze, what's the name of that trail? I forget. Santa Ana River Trail. Have you guys been on that trail lately? If you go on a bike and you get on in San Bernardino at Waterman and you ride all the way down to Corona, it's almost homeless all the way, almost the entire way. So I was riding my bike one day all the way down to Corona, and as I got there, there was this crazy woman 
had this broom and she was going like this on the, I was on the bike path and she was swinging her broom like this and she was yelling at the top of her voice and I was getting close and I was going oh this lady's kind of flipped out I think you know and so and she's kind of blocking the whole pet bike path you know going like that and I thought I think I'll stop and I'll offer a candy bar. I had some bar energy bars in my backpack. And I thought, she's homeless. She's probably hungry. And besides that, I was afraid she was going to knock me off my bike. So I, I, I just pulled up next to her. And I said, ma'am, are you hungry? And she was <laughs> saying all kinds of weird words that none of them went together. And I was like, wow. And so I, I, I got my backpack. I pulled the bar out, and I handed it to her, and she is yelling at the top of her voice, just screaming, and I'm like, wow, this lady is, this lady is really, wow, she's different, and so I'm trying to hand her the bar that I have, and she's taking her broom, and she's like po trying to poke me with her broom, I'm like, oh, wow. Um, so I finally grabbed a hold of her broom, and I just pulled on a little bit, and I reached out my hand, and she grabbed the bar away from me. Now, um, I told the guys in my Bible study about this, and that was the story I told them. But what I didn't tell them, with this lady doing all this screaming and yelling, there was all these homeless people down there. Do you think she was the only homeless person there? There was actually another kid who had come up, a younger guy, from the side, and he was kind of watching her like I was, thinking, I think, the same thing I was thinking, uh, you know, that this lady is whacked out. And so, um, she, I, but when I told my group, I didn't tell them that then I found in my backpack another little thing of these um, things that I eat for energy that are kind of like jelly beans, and I threw this little guy a pack because he was standing there and I saw him and he was watching this whole thing and I looked at him and he smiled and like she was going and she's like and I was going yes kind of and so I threw him this little thing of jelly beans but when I explained the story to my Bible study group I didn't tell them about this guy who was standing off on the side because he wasn't the main part of the story right I mean this crazy lady with the broom was the one I was worried about this guy, this, this little guy, I wasn't worried about him. And so it says in Scripture that there was a man. Does that mean that there wasn't more than another man there? No, it doesn't mean that. And so you see how that discrepancy can be explained. The focus was on the one man. Get it? And so it's not really a big deal because it didn't say in, in uh, Mark that there was one man. It said a man. And matter of fact, this is where they were. They were in the tombs. The tombs were on the outside of the city because this is where they sent their crazies to go to, you know. Um, and so this is a fascinating part of the story. Jesus ended up there on purpose. It was not an accident. And, and at the end of the story, you'll see why. There was a really good reason. Jesus had a great reason for doing that. So that takes care of kind of the discrepancies in the story. And why does that matter? Well, if we were studying it with a bunch of non-believers, I would be, if I was them, I would be going, look, this story's not trustworthy. It's not reliable. 
one guy says one, one guy says two, right? And so when we used to work with kids and we would test them to see what kind of disability that we have, we would use two tests because one test is not reliable. You need two tests to verify that what you found out is accurate. And that's why having the synoptic gospels is an incredible gift to us. It gives us a whole picture because there was another discrepancy in here that none of you have said so far. Didn't any of you notice one other thing in here that caught my attention? Huh? Yeah, good. Say it louder. He looked naked. Yeah. Yeah, one of them, it says he didn't have any clothes on. If I was writing this story and I was Mark, I think I might have mentioned that. But Mark doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't say that. And, and this is why, because what, what kind of strikes out at me as a part of a story may not strike out at you as being important in a story, right? And so, but I think it's kind of, imp I think it's kind of important. So that gets rid of the discrepancies in the story. Now let's talk about the story itself. Um, Jesus ended up there on purpose. Jesus entered, entered, entered a place that he knew that this man was going to be there. Why? Why did he go there? He didn't really go to one place. Yeah, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, say that again. Yeah, he's going there. He's going to show the glory of God for sure, right? And here's part of the glory of God, that God cares about one man. If it's just you, he cares about just you. And he cares about just your story, doesn't he? So he would go, he would, you know, the story of leaving the 99 to getting the one. And so he would leave all the others to get you and to get me. And you think about that. The God of creation cared about a demonic man in a tomb. And this isn't where Jesus was going. This wasn't... Uh, I mean, this, he had a major reason for going there. So then Jesus goes, and, and he goes there on purpose to a place of the tombs. And so when, notice what happens. This is kind of fascinating. When Jesus talks to the demon, um, does the demon come out? Yeah, that, this is pretty fascinating stuff. Jesus, it says, was telling the demon to come out. Did you notice that in that section? He's telling the demon to come out, and, and the demon doesn't. Wow. The God of creation is telling the demon to come out, and the demon does not come out. Is this, on Jesus' part, um, a lack of ability to command the demon, do you think? No, I don't think so. It wasn't that. But here's part of what Jesus wanted to do. He wanted to name the demon. He wanted to know who this demon was. Now, the reason that's important is 
I don't know about you guys, but when I first became a Christian, one of the issues I had with Christianity was this. All these people that Jesus cast demons out of. You know, I don't know about you, but I had a, as, as a young person, I was only 22 or 21 when I found the Lord. And, and it's, in the Bible talked about demons. I was like, oh yeah, the boogeyman and demons and, you know, all that really. I mean, we're getting close to Halloween. And, you know, all that Halloween stuff, I was always like, ah, oh, this is all a bunch of, you know, I don't buy any of this. So this whole concept of demons, I have to tell you, I struggled with as a believer. Because I don't know about you, but in my daily life, I don't have much contact with demons. Do you? And how do you guys feel about the concept of demons? Do you get them? Do you get demons? So somebody tell me, what is a demon then? Yeah, Mark, actually in, in um, King James Version, there's no word, there's no demon used in the King James Version. Uh, they only use unclean spirit or evil spirit or devil. And another, another word that's used in, in the Gospels is the word diablos. In the Greek, it's diablos, meaning devil, right? And so when I, but when I first became a Christian, all I had was this uh, vision of Flip Wilson saying, the devil made me do it, you know? Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have any other reference point, you know? Like demons, devils, I didn't get it, you know? I didn't get it at all. And so when I was a young Christian, all this demon devil stuff for me was like, I can buy the Jesus thing, but I'm not too hip with this devil and demon stuff. You know, I, I haven't seen it. So I'll tell you what happened. I was at Pepperdine University, and I was uh, taking kinesiology was my major. And so we had to go set up a PE program for a group of people. And they gave us a whole bunch of options of people to go do it with. This was not student teaching. That was something separate. This was going to work with a group of people where you'd set up an exercise program for them to help them. So one of, the, one of the places we had to choose from was Camarillo State Mental Institution. It was 30 miles from Pepperdine up the coast. And I chose that one. I said, I I'd like to go work with those guys. And so I went there. And I mean, the first time I walked in, I'll tell you, it was like, wow. I'd never seen anything like it. There were probably, the group that they gave me, there were 12 people to work with. And when I w walked into that room, three of the people had taken all their clothes off. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. Uh, this is going to be an interesting group of people to work with. So I did. I worked with them for that class, uh, lasted about 12 weeks. And I went there, and I set up a program for them to help them get more fit. And it actually uh, helped them. But at the end of about eight weeks, I had talked to the lady who was in charge, and I said, are these the most severe people that you have? And she said, no. And I said, well, where are those people? And she said, they're in different places. We have different buildings, and they're in different locations on this site. And I said, could I go see like the severe people? And she said, no. And I was like, no? And she's, no, you can't. She said, you don't have the proper credentials to do that. 
and I asked her, I said, um, does working at this facility, setting up a PE program for these other people, does that give me any sort of, she said, you can go talk to this guy who's in charge and tell him why you want to go and see some of these other people. So I did. And so the guy said to me, on this one day when you come, I'll take you to a place and let you meet some of our other patients. And I was like, ooh, okay. So one day, about 10 weeks in, I go there, I teach the little program that I'm doing, and then this guy takes me to this downstairs, to this other wing, and in this wing, it was beautiful. Uh, someone had decorated it to the max. Uh, it was incredible. And, but, so I go down in there, but now I get to the place where there's these rooms that are padded. Everything in them is padded. The little boy, 12 years old, 13 years old, in a straitjacket um, with all these protective things on his face. And I say to the guy, what's wrong with that little boy? He had, I could see he had knocked most of his teeth out, or he didn't have most of his teeth. And he said he's self-destructive. And he said he will kill himself if we don't guard him and protect him. And I was like, wow. And I said, can I go pray for that little boy? And he said, well, you cannot go in his cell. He said, you can stand outside and pray for him if you want. And so I went over, and the little boy, it had, he had this stuff that was kind of like plexiglass with some slits in it that he could, I could speak to him through them, and he could see me, and I could see him. And so I started to pray for him, and he tried to smash his face against the wall as I was praying for him. And I thought... Now I know what demon possession is. I get it. And there was a whole bunch of people down there that were like that. And I thought, now I've seen it. Now I know. Maybe I wish I hadn't seen it. So here's what we know. Um, here's what I learned after that, that demon possession is real. Uh, it, Jesus didn't heal people from demon possession because it was like I was thinking, you know, like, Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. No, it wasn't like that. And so all of a sudden I realized this, that what Jesus was dealing with when he dealt with this demonic man was something that was real. So notice when Jesus gets the demon to name himself, what does the demon say that he is? Legion. So how many is that? We know that they went into 2,000 pigs, so we assume it was 2,000. Actually, a Roman legion was 6,000 people. Um, and so we know that this man was filled with um, evil spirits or unclean spirits, right? And so you think of what that would be like. What would that be like? You'd be tormented night and day. Tormented. I don't know about you, um, but you know, for us, if we get a headache, we think we're tormented. Um, uh, this man, what did it say that he did to himself? Notice what he did. Cut himself with stones. And here's one thing we know. Demon possession, 
causes self-destructiveness. Because what does it say that the demons are? You know what demons are? Angels, fallen angels, who then gone totally the wrong way. And, and so notice what these demons, what do they ask of Jesus? Yeah. Now, why did they ask permission to go into the pigs? Why? Say, okay, say that louder. Because this is where they know they're going, right? And it says so. Do you guys know what Jesus created hell for? The devil and his angels. That's what it says. It says Jesus says that himself. He says that he created the fiery pit for the devil and his angels. So whenever people say to me, well, a loving God wouldn't put us in hell, I would say a loving God didn't create hell for people. It says Jesus said exactly what he created it for. And it's in Matthew chapter 25. He says what he created it for. He created for the devil and his angels. And his angels are fallen angels, and that's what demons are, fallen angels. It says it in Scripture. And so you have uh, these demons. This is what the demons know. They know where they're going to end up. And so they were begging to go in the pigs because they don't want to end up in the lake of fire, which is what it says in Revelations, right? And so they're begging to go someplace, and Jesus gives them permission to go there. Why? Why did he give the, de the demons permission to go into the pigs? What do you think? <laughs> that, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I think <laughs> there might be some truth to that, <laughs> but um, I think this part, that might have been part of the reason. Um, but I think the reason was this. He wanted that man to see a physical demonstration that these demons had left. He wanted that man to know for sure those demons were gone. And because they went into the pigs and then they ran down the water, that man could see those demons that had me are gone. They, they are gone, right? So that was uh, one of the reasons why I think he allowed that. Um, Notice, too, um, when this man was, uh, when he was filled with the demons, what did it say that he was able to do? Yeah. Can, and what else? Not only break chains, what other things could he do? Said, it said no one could hold him. No one was strong enough. There was no one strong enough to retain this man. So this man, do you think he lived in just the tombs? No, he, he ran all over this region. And it said he cried out night and day. So imagine that you are crying out night and day, all night and day, all night and day, and that's who you are, and that's what you are. And you had a family, and you know, because you know he had a family, right? Because what does Jesus say at the end to him? Go back to your family. So we know he had a family, so his family somehow saw this man get 
filled with demons and run wild around the whole region and everybody knew who he was because no one, it says no one could contain him. No one could hold him. No one was strong enough. And so when this guy is running around and he's being filled uh, with these unclean spirits, uh, this is a big part of what he's doing. He's taking stones and he's cutting and disfiguring himself. Now, in our society, do we have any people like that? Yeah, I've seen them. We do. Matter of fact, I taught at the high school, and one of the things that I started seeing in my class, it was called, it was a thing that we were going through, kids cutting themselves. And I had one girl in particular who was cutting herself all over her body. And I, one day in class, I went over, and this all I did. You know, it, now in school, they don't want you to touch kids, but I used to touch kids a lot because teenagers need to be touched in a healthy way, in a kind, loving way. And I, I laid my hands on this little girl, and she was doing her work, and I was behind her, and I just said, are you okay? And she, was, she looked up at me with these crazy eyes and said, I hate everybody, and especially myself. And I was like, oh, whoa, you know? And so as I had my hands on her, I just started praying for her, and I could feel her tense up, tighten up, and get just, and, and she looked up at me when I was praying for her, and I was just praying quietly. No one in class knew I was praying for her. And she looked up at me with just hate in her eyes, and I'm just saying, Lord, in your blood, by your blood, only by your blood can this girl be touched. And I, I kept my hands on her for about two minutes, and I could feel her relax, and I could feel her start to, um, just start to, her body just kind of sighed. And she looked up at me and said, I don't know what you did, but thank you. And all I did was lay my hands and say, in Jesus' name, by his blood, you are healed. You know, so here's the thing. Um, we don't know what's going on with people. We don't know what's happening with them. But this is what we know. Jesus is the only one who can make a difference. He is the only one who can heal uh, the people when they're uh, devastated. Do you think this man invited all these demons into him? No, well, just think about where he lived. He lived in an area where first it was Greek, and then it was taken over by the Maccabees, who were Jewish guys who took back land for the Jews. But then Pompey marched in and took that land uh, from the Maccabees. And this man lived in that region the whole time. So can you imagine maybe what might have happened to him and his family? Maybe they were brutalized, right? And when people get brutalized, then sometimes they open themselves up to being full of anger and hatred. And you know what anger and hatred does? It's an avenue for a demon. That's what it is. And so this man's family, I don't know what happened, but something happened where these demons came into this man. 
And so this is such an incredible picture at the end of this, isn't it? You see this man. He's now fully dressed. He's sitting there with Jesus and his disciples just hanging out with the guys. And you're like, this is awesome. This is incredible. So look what Jesus and his disciples did for this guy. They clothed him, right? You know what it says in the book of James? If you see your brother or sister in need of daily clothes and food, and you say, go in peace, be warmed and filled, you've done nothing. So notice what they did. They were in the boat. They were disciples. They were fishermen. They knew you needed extra clothes. They took their clothes and clothed this guy. And now this guy is, it said, sitting there. Notice when the people come, he's sitting there with them. He's hanging out with the disciples. He just went from being a demon-possessed guy to hanging out with the coolest guys on the planet, you know? <laughs> and it's an incredible picture of a loving God saying, you can never far too far from me, isn't it? And, and that's what happens to this man. But then I, I, the saddest thing is notice what happens to the people who come from the surrounding. Now, this is sad. These people come from the surrounding villages, and what's up with them? It says they're afraid. Afraid of what? They should have been afraid before, right? I mean, he gave them reason to be afraid. And now he's just sitting there, hanging out with the coolest guys on the planet, sitting there, totally dressed, and they're afraid. This is pathetic. Uh, but the reason it is, it's pathetic. Uh, but it's pathetic because sometimes, I hate to say it, this is the response of the church. And that's why it's pathetic. Because let me tell you what they were afraid of. They were afraid of this. If Jesus did that to this guy, and look what happened to our pigs, uh, if we really invite him into our towns, he's going to upset our apple cart, isn't he? And when you look at a lot of people and say, why don't they invite Jesus in? They're afraid to have their apple cart upset. And when Jesus comes in, he upsets the apple cart. He does. You may have a plan for your life, something, a direction that you think you're going, a, a bunch of things that you think you need to do, and then when you really invite Jesus in, he's going to upset your apple cart. You're, you're going to be doing some things you thought you weren't going to be doing. And so part of what happened to them is they let fear take over for them, and they let their comfort and what they'd gotten used to get in the way of letting Jesus come in and really have control. And they thought, if we let Jesus come in and have control, we're going to lose a whole bunch more pigs. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so. And, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of times people, uh, we have to deal with finances and money and all that stuff. And that was part of what they were dealing with. But that wasn't the main thing they were dealing with. The main thing they were dealing with, he's going to come in and upset my life. 
And when you let Jesus come in and have full control, he's going to upset your apple cart. He's going to ask you to do some things that you're going to go, oh, this may not be such a good idea, right? And so let me tell you how that works. I, I love this section in Matthew that I'm going to read to you. It's the last section I'm going to read to you. And this is what it says. This is Jesus talking. And because it says something about his church. It says something about what he believed about his church. So this is in Matthew 16, if you want to follow along. It's verse 17, and it says this. So this is what was going on. Jesus had said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the son of the most high God. And here's Jesus' response. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And I'm just going to stop there because I want to make this point to us as the church. Notice this thing that Jesus says. The gates of hell will not overcome it. Will not overcome what? The church. And notice this, gates of hell. What are gates? Gates are defensive, right? Gates are not offensive. Gates are defensive. So what is it saying about the gates of hell will not overcome the church because it's saying this. The church is supposed to be an aggressive group of people who go out and take territory and that even hell itself has got to protect itself from the church. That's what it's saying. And so the church has started to back up because of COVID and all kinds of other things. And we stopped working out of faith. Not our church, I don't think but the church as a whole, they've started off, we were just talking to our friends in Australia and other places, and the church has started operating out of fear and not faith. And that is, that is not how we were designed. It's, it said the hate, gates of hell will not, Jesus set, made this commitment and promise to us that you will overcome the gates of hell. It means we will take back land that he has. Now, how does that work in real life? Well, it works in real life like this. In Big Bear, um, Brian and I, and another Brian, we went to this fundraiser for this kid I know, Andrew Nettleback. Andrew, Andrew got a brain tumor. He's only 31. He was coaching at the middle school. And it went, it's inoperable. It's gone into his brain in a way that they can't operate it on, on it. But they can treat it with chemo. But now he needs rides down to Palm Springs five days a week. And Andrew and his family in the past, I don't know about now, because we had a chance, Brian and I and Brian, we laid hands on Andrew and we prayed for him at the fundraiser. Um, but we have a chance. What if this happened? What if one little church said, we're going to adopt Andrew Nettleback and his family. We're going to drive him down every day. And we believe God can heal him and touch him. Because this is what Jesus showed us. You take 
one life back at a time. And, and so after church today, if you would like to sign up to drive Andrew, Andrew Nettle back down to, if we had 30 of us, we'd all have to only drive one day a, a month. And Susie just talked to the gal who's in charge of trying to organize this. And she was very frustrated because they can't find people to drive. And it's a big commitment. It's a big commitment because he's got to be down there by one, then he gets treated, and then he comes back. But what if a group, a small little church, adopted this guy and his family and loved them so much that he came into the kingdom of heaven? That's how we take back from Satan what he tries to claim. Right? We take land back. So if you'd like to be involved with that, you can sign up with my wife. Um, we're going we're gonna to try to, when I was at the high school, I was good friends with Ken, uh, his dad, and they weren't believers at the time, but they've been saying things like, we're praying, and all the, you know, when cancer comes or a tumor, brain tumor comes. So anyway, here's what happens. You have a Decapolis. You do. This guy did not go back to his hometown. He went and preached the gospel. Jesus let, he had three people begging uh, him to do things. The people in the town, we beg you, please leave. He did that. He had the uh, demons begging him, please let us go into the pigs. He did that. He had the man asking him, can I go hang out with you guys? I'm all in. I just want to follow you. I just want to go with you. Jesus said, no. You go back to your family. You back, go back and share with everybody. And, and so he didn't go back to his, just his family. It said he went back to the Decapolis. He went back to 10 cities. And here's why. Here was Jesus' plan from the beginning. This was the first guy... These were all Gentile towns. And Jesus knew this guy was the beginning of ministry to the Gentiles. And he knew that. And that's why he went there. He cared about the one, but he cared about the millions. And so we all have a Decapolis. You do, I do. We have to do what this guy did. Go to your Decapolis and share God's love with them. Because that's God's plan, right? And that's why Jesus went and healed one demonic man. It was because uh, it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world, right? Don't you love that verse? I love that verse. It didn't say, for he so loved the people who are called. It doesn't say that. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so this is what we know. Um, Jesus is the only way. We have the secret to that, and are we going to keep it a secret? I hope the answer to that is no. You guys need to know what a blessed church you have been. Um, blessed uh, in this. During COVID, uh, when you think giving might be down and all that stuff, do you know that giving is way up in this church? Because we are blessed. We are so blessed with so many people that we have. 
I just love to watch the ladies do sign when we're singing. Don't you love them? I just love them. Um, uh, because of this, it's another way um, that we get inspired, isn't it? I mean, it's inspiring just to watch them sign God's word. It's incredible. You know, it's amazing. But this little church, this is a little church, uh, has been a powerful place. But God has more use for it. He has more use for us. We need to invade what Satan is trying to destroy. Right? So let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this story that um, that has so much to say, Lord, about uh, your love and care for us. That you would um, go after one demonic man and that um, you had a purpose and a plan. There was no accident. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't let your word just be a nice story that we hear. Lord, that it would be something that would um, touch us, change us, move us. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us day by day. And we just ask a blessing on all the people in our church who are online watching. Lord, bless them all. And we just thank you for the blessing of your son. In your name we pray, amen.